deal with. It's called the unfamily. You win. And the unfamily tries to devastate every one of us. And what do you mean by the un? Well, many times we, we think because we may be an unnamed at birth, unqualified, unwanted, unvalued, unloved, that we can never have the things of God in our life. But I'm here to tell you this morning, that's a lie. And, and we've got to start believing what God says about us. Because listen, the truth is always greater than our feelings. Truth never changes. How many know your feelings do? Your feelings are fickle, they're up and down. But the truth of God's Word never changes. And so many times what happens, instead of allowing the truth to dominate us, we allow our feelings to dominate us. And our feelings say, I feel this, I feel that, I want, I think, I feel, I feel, I think, I want, on and on and on and on. But we must begin to look what the Word of God said and say, that's my identity right there. My identity is in who God says I am. Amen. Some of you are going to get that in you today. Now go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. And this is where we're going to begin this morning. I'll tell you guys, God's going to move in here this morning. I mean big time. Some of you are going to leave here so blessed today. You're going to sense some freedom. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Thank you, ushers. Forgive me. If you need a Bible, they're back there working in signs and wonders again. Throwing up Bibles and I'm wondering what they're doing. Keep your hand up real high. Go, to me, go with me to Hebrews 10. Sometimes I get tickled. You wouldn't think I speak for a, a, a living, would you? <laughs> Hallelujah. God takes the foolishness of man and uses it wisely. So praise the Lord. He can speak through a donkey. He can speak through me today. So praise God. Are you a donkey, Pastor? Well, I hope I'm a little higher than that. Hebrews 10, verse number 11. And every priest. Now, I'm going to highlight that word priest there for a minute. Because a priest... He's just the man of God. He's just the man with a title or anointing on him. So I want you to see this. He said, and, and every priest stands ministering daily, day by day, year in and year out, and offering repeatedly or over and over the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Which can never take away sins. And so no matter what the priest does, these sacrifices that he brings day by day by day, they can never put a dent in the sin problem. And so you know what that tells me? We can't rely on human beings. And if human beings can never take away the sin problem, who can? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look at verse number 12. But this man, Jesus, after he, Jesus, had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever set down at the right hand of God. One time. That's all it took for Jesus. And so, if I can't do it, and humanity can't do it, we better start receiving what Jesus did for us, and learning that it's only by Jesus. And so it says here that He did it forever, but He also sat down. Now you know this, as you go to work, you don't sit down until the job's finished. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus finished the job. What he did, it's finished. Okay? Verse 13. From that time, he was waiting till his enemies are made in his footstool. Once until all his enemies cave in. Now get this. For by one offering, he has perfected. For by one offering, he has perfected. Now when I look at Jesus, Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. He was the perfect person. And he came to perfect some imperfect people. Me. 
You. We're all candidates for that. And so he became the perfect sacrifice. And look what it says. Forever. Forever. It's a done deal, guys. It's forever. And he goes on to say, and we're being sanctified. That word sanctified means set apart. And so you got to look at this. We're being sanctified. You're a work in progress. And so I don't care where you're at. You know what? You may not be where you want to be, but you're a lot farther along today than you were two years ago probably, weren't you? Or I hope so. And so guess what? We're a work in progress. As long as we keep hanging out with Jesus and serve, I'm going to tell you, you're going to get under some sanctification through Him, and He's going to begin to move in your life. Now, what I want you to see right here, that it's all our life. It's forever. Every day. Not only what you've done, now this may blow some of your theology, not only what you've done wrong in life, but what you're going to do wrong in life. And some of you say, well, that's kind of religious. No. I realize we're human beings and we're going to make mistakes, but I want you to understand this. Jesus has already paid the price for what you've done and what you're going to do. And so when I look at that and it says forever, Jesus comes with a warranty that only he could make. And Jesus' warranty, it's not 90 days, same as cash, no interest. Jesus made it. Jesus is the definition. I should say this. Jesus is the epitome of the extended warranty. He's it, guys. Day by day by day. He never changes. And so, if you were born where you thought you were unnamed, I was reading a book the other day about a woman, and she didn't realize until she was 33 years old that on her birth certificate it said unnamed. You know why? Her parents didn't want her. And so you may feel like you've been unnamed, unwanted, unvalued, unqualified, unloved. But I'm going to tell you right now, you're under the blood of Jesus. And Jesus wants to sanctify you. He is perfecting you right now. And so don't give up in life. He's still got plans for you. Continue with me. Let me just say this. Being excited about the Word of God is permissible in here. Let me say this. How many of you went to a football game on Friday night? Raise your hand. How many of you yelled? You didn't sit there all. When someone scored a touchdown, you didn't look at your wife and said, Oh, great. How many of you watched football yesterday? Pastor did. How about them Sooners? Some of you don't like that. How about those Red Raiders? I'll give you guns. I'm going to tell you, I took a ball and I threw it at the TV. I got mad a couple of times when we got picked off. I didn't like it. I get passionate. You don't want to watch football with me. I'll tackle you. But we got to get passionate about the things of God, guys. I'm going to tell you, we're not playing for the first, second, third, fourth quarter. We're playing for eternity. Hallelujah. He's a good God. Thank you. Yes. All right. We're making some progress. Verse 15. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses or confirms to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them, me and you. After those days, said the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and into their minds, and I will write them. And so remember back in the Old Testament, guys, they wrote them on paper, they wrote them on stone. And you know what Father God's saying now? I'm going to write them in your heart. 
I'm going to come on the inside of you. And I'm going to change you from the inside out. This is what he's talking about. Now look here in verse 17. Then he adds, their sins. Whose sins? Mine and yours. My sins and my lawless deeds are my lawless acts. I will remember no more. Now God's not like humans. You know, I may tell some of you, man, I'm never going to remember that. Next week I'll say, you know, remember what you did two weeks ago? But see, when God says, I don't remember no more, that's what He means. And so when we come into a covenant with Father God, and we repent of our sins, the Bible said He throws them into the sea for forgetfulness. He does not remember them. So you know what that tells No matter what you've done, your sins or your lawless acts, they're covered by the blood of Jesus. I don't know about That's great news. I had a lot of sins, guys. I was a good sinner. I mean, I was a champion sinner. You know, Paul said he was the chief sinner. Sometime I may have to debate him for that. I think, you know, I've ran you a pretty good race. So I rejoice at this fact right here, what he said. And so he became that perfect sacrifice like we were talking about. Now, read verse 18. Now, where there is no remission or forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. But I want you to know what Jesus did, it's a done deal. It was the offering. Now, I want you to go back to your left, a page or two, to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. And I'm going to talk this morning about a different area that I think many, many of us are in bondage to right now, or we've been in bondage to, and that's a thing called shame and guilt. And when I looked at shame and guilt, shame and guilt are close relatives, And they try to come after us with this thought. You're not good enough. What's wrong with me? And so I want you to understand that if you have shame and guilt in your life today, it comes under the blood of Jesus. It comes under the cross. When when Aaron was singing the song about at the cross that Jesus beckoned me, he doesn't push us away for our sins. He says, come on, I want to take them. And, and, and the Bible talks about in, in Revelations 12, how the devil is the accuser of the brethren. He's always telling Father God about our mess-ups. He tries to shame us. And when Father God looks at Jesus, you know what Jesus Jesus holds up his prince. He lifts his shirt up and lets the, the Father see his back. And you know what he says? Paid in full. Paid, your shame and your guilt have been paid in full. And so what happens when this guilt and shame come after us? We try to to make up for things of our wrongs. We try to cover them. And so daily, 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 we carry this lunch pail around with us. And tucked in there is shame and guilt. And everywhere we go, because of shame and guilt, we hide. Now, you know what guilt is? Guilt is is what I'm uh, mad about in my life or concerned about in my life. What I did or didn't do. Many times we feel guilty what we did do or what we didn't do. Every one of us have been there. But you know what shame deals with? Who I am as a person. And he tries to shame us. Now, when we talk about guilt and shame, look right here in Hebrews 8, verse 10. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, said the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and I'll write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. He said, I'm going to live with inside you. 
None of them shall teach his neighbor, and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. So he's telling us, I'm going to come on the inside of you, and you're going to know me on a personal relationship. For, for verse number 11, the message says you won't be able to buy a book called God in Five Easy Lessons. No, you know what God said? I'm going to come on the inside of you. And I'm going to change you from the inside out. Now, look at verse 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now that's the second time I've read that. i got to highlight that in you. Because many times, guys, we live by our feelings. You know what I'm going to tell you about your feelings? Your feelings lie. Quit allowing your feelings to vote in your life. Because what ends up happening when we live by our, fle- our feelings, we become our worst enemy. Now go to the book of Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter number 3. And as we're turning there, this stuff called shame. It leads to bondages in our life. And if you, you've got shame this morning, you can identify what I'm talking about. Actually, shame will lead to a life, a life of being imprisoned. And when you're in prison, you know what you do? You become alienated. You alienate yourself from Father God. Why? Because something's wrong with me. You begin to alienate yourself from other people. Why? The devil tells you over and over, something's wrong with you. And so we're going to talk about this today. And I want you to see specifically through the Scriptures who the author of shame is. And so this is the passage of of Adam and Eve here. And remember, God told Adam and Eve, you can eat from the garden of any tree except that one. Why did God say that? Well, God puts boundaries on us. And as long as I live within those boundaries, man, my life is blessed. But when I get outside those boundaries, my life is not well with me. Plus, I normally have uh, broken my relationship with Father God. So God has told them, Man, I love you. Don't eat from that tree. Well, there's this, there's this spiritual being upon earth. His name's the devil, Lucifer. And he begins to yak into Adam and Eve's ear. And he begins to say stuff like, God really didn't mean that. If you eat of that tree, you're not going to die. And so what the devil tried to do with him, he tries to do with us. He tries to, to break God's authority. He tries to act like God's word isn't totally true. So pick up with me, Genesis 3, verse 6. So when the woman saw that the the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Now I want you to notice some things in there. Number one, that she said in there that it was, or he said in there, it was pleasant to the eyes, And desirable to the flesh. Just because it may be pleasant to your eyes and desirable to your flesh doesn't mean it's right. Now the devil's going to come after you in this area. He's going to bait you. And he's going to try to get you to bite the bait. Well, right here, you see what they did? They bit the bait. And after we bite the bait, you know what's interesting how the devil always tells you? It's okay. Go ahead and do it. What's the matter with a little sin long as it's just ever now and then? And so he baits us, he baits us. But look what happens once we take the bait. Verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were open. I like to say right here that once they did this, shame came upon them. 
And the conscience or the voice of conscience was awakened. All of a sudden, because of shame, they realized what they did. And so going hand in hand with shame is condemnation. What's condemnation? Well, after you do it, how many of you realize that, that when you begin or you've gotten over into sin, the devil comes and starts beating you on the head and starts telling you how sorry you were. Just a few minutes ago, he was telling you or baiting you how great sin would be. Now he's condemning you. And with condemnation, he starts whispering to you, you're of no good. Something's wrong with you. Now, I want you to see in this passage here in the next few verses, the consequences or the characteristics that go along with shame. So he says here, Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And so when I see these coverings, why did they cover themselves? Because of shame. What was shame the result of? When they got outside of what God told them to do. And so many times in our life, that when we've done something wrong, or we've had something done wrong to us from another person, a lot of times we start covering ourselves up. How? Well, it's easy to blame other people. It's easy to begin to make excuses. But I think one of the greatest ones we do as human beings, we pretend that everything's okay when it's not. And so this is what they begin to do. And I call this the sh a shame-based nature. And so the devil comes in and he doesn't make you feel good about yourself. He, he, he breaks relationships you have with other people. Even your spouse. And he'll cause you to break the relationship you had with Father God. Now these are just some of the characteristics of shame. So look what goes on in verse 8. And they, Adam and Eve, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. In the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. I've been there, guys. Where I've made mistakes. I've committed sin, and you know what it did to me? It caused me where I wanted to hide from God. Now, it said that, that this is what they did. They hid from the presence of the Lord. This is nothing more than shame-based. That's what this is. Verse 9. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Now, notice here, guys. God didn't tell Adam and Eve, Get out of here. I don't want you no more. He came looking for them. That's what he does with every one of us. No matter what you've done in your life, God loves you. He's still hunting for you. Verse 10. So Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid. Now get this, guys. You see him? It went from shame to covering to hiding to fear. And that's what, God, that's what the devil tries to do to every one of us. And so he said, I was afraid so I was because I was naked, and I hid myself I hid when we hide you know what we're doing we're alienating ourselves from Father God from others here when we get over in fear remember guys there in 2 Timothy 1 7 it says God has not given us a spirit of fear so I want you to guess who this is from the author of shame is from the devil and as long as he can keep you covering hiding and in fear I'm going to tell you you're going to be dominated by shame and every one of us have had things like this that try to come after us. So what ends up happening? We imprison ourselves because of our feelings. And I'm of no worth. 
I'm a no value. I'm a no good. And so I, I like to look at this. And you know what I call this? This is the marriage of, of shame. Something's wrong with me. And if you keep believing this, you're going to end up poisoning your soul. And you're going to live a life of embarrassment and, embarrassment, and you keep punishing yourself over and over. Verse 11. And he said, who told you you were naked? And this was Father God. So right there, Father God identifies the source. He didn't say, I told you that. He said, who told you that? And so when I look at this verse right here, you know what I see God saying? This is what I call the big lie. This is the big lie from the devil. And he tries to convince every one of us as humans how bad we are. And so what ends up happening, you are a victim of identity theft. The devil has stolen your identity. And he tries to keep lying to you over and over. And as long as he can get you in shame, where you feel like something's wrong with me. Has that ever happened to you, Pastor? Absolutely, guys. You know, the years of I've pastored now. And I tell people who want to pastor going to the ministry, I said, you can do this, guys, but I'm going to tell you, you've never sensed rejection like you will as a pastor. And so the early years of, of pastoring, guys, when people would leave the church, I'm going to tell you, I had to fight depression. I, ha I had to fight stuff over and over. Why? Because the devil would come in and he'd start telling me, something's wrong with you. They don't like you because of this or this or this or this. And so it's not always easy, but you got to understand, I'm going to get under the blood of Jesus. I got to get under there. And so here's one thing that I had to learn to do. Number one, I got to quit acting like everything's okay. I got to become honest with my own life. And I've got to become genuine with not only me, but Father God. Quit pretending. Listen, guys, I don't have to hide behind anything or anybody. Jesus has done this, but the big thing is I must accept Jesus' finished work on the cross. And that work on the cross said, I took your shame. And so my identity isn't in what I do or what I say. My identity is in Jesus. And Jesus says, you're more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer. Now this is what I want you to see. Now go back to, to Genesis 2, verse number 25. And this is where, guys, you've got to start becoming genuine with yourself. You've got to become real with yourself and with Father God. And I believe when we become honest and open with ourselves and Father God, you're going to begin to live in freedom. Now look what is said here in Genesis 2, 25. And they, Adam and Eve, were both naked... The man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. And so as I read this, and then we get into chapter 3, and it said, now they hid themselves because basically they were ashamed. What caused them to get over into a state of being ashamed? Anytime, guys, we get over into sin, it severs our relationship with Father God. So the point of that is, is once you sin, once I sin, I must repent of my sins. When I repent of my sins with a true heart, it keeps me in fellowship with Father God. And we got to look at repentance as a great daily vitamin. And so that's what severed them. But at this point in their life, they were unashamed. Why were they unashamed? Because they hadn't disobeyed God. They had lived right with God. So this tells me right here that with sin... 
the devil will bring shame. He'll try to shame every one of us. Look, look with me in the book of Psalm, chapter 34. Psalm 34. This is a passage here about a man named King David. And to me, King David was one of the greatest kings of all times. And remember, the scriptures say that he was a man after God's own heart. I, I believe he was a man after God's own heart because of the way he repented. Because when you study David's life, David got over into adultery with a woman named Bathsheba. And all of David's family, and all of David's soldiers, and all the people that surrounded his life, they knew what he did. And so I believe that a thing called shame tried to come over David. And so instead of repenting for it immediately, you know what he does? He tries to cover his sin. And anytime I cover my sin, it normally just multiplies my sin. How many of you have ever done that? You know what they say when you tell one lie, it takes seven others to cover it up? It's true. It's true. So David now, to cover up his sin, he has to kill Bathsheba's husband Uriah. But when I see how David's life ended, and you can study it in Psalm 51, you know what it said? That David went to the Lord and he said, My sins and my iniquities, my transgressions are before you. So David had a great heart to repent. And that's why he stayed in fellowship with Father God. Now look here in Psalm 34, verse 1. David's word, I'll bless the Lord at all times. At all times. You know what all means? All Good times, bad times, sad times, mad. Anytime, he said, I'm going to bless the Lord. I believe that's big for us. And then he says, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Now, I want you to really get these next two verses. He said, I sought. I sought the Lord and he heard me. And he delivered me from all my fears. Ever fear in life that tries to come after you guys right here. Look what he said. I sought the Lord and he heard me. And he delivered me. See, God's still a delivering God. And when we seek him, he shows up. James 4, 8 says that you draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. What an invitation. But look what he said in verse 5. And they looked to him and they were radiant. And their faces were not ashamed. And as I looked at this in other different translation, it said that there was a never a blush for shame on them. They were not covered by shame. And so this is what I see, that when we get back into relationship with Father God, you don't have to live by shame. Things you've done or things other people have done to you. You don't have to hide. You don't have to live covered up. All you got to learn to do is come under the blood of Jesus. And He'll qualify you. I got one more verse you got to see. Colossians chapter number 2. Back there in the New Testament. Colossians chapter 2. And as you're turning there, listen guys, you got to seek the Lord. Embrace the unconditional. Uh, uh, Unconditional acceptance that God offers through Jesus Christ. Embrace that. I thank you, Father God. Now, this is going to set some of you free here today. 
This is where the identity theft comes back in, where you can realize this is my identity right here. Verse 9. For in Him, in Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead body. In Jesus dwells the fullness of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you that right now. So man, I just got to thank I thank you, Father God. I come to you through the blood of Jesus today. Look at verse 10. And you are complete in Him. I'm going to tell you something. You got to get this, guys. This is your fullness right here. You are not you're going to be, and you are complete in in Him. I believe most or all of us should be saying this over our life. That I should be walking around. I thank you today, Lord, that I'm complete in you. My identity is in you. As long as I live in the Lord Jesus, I'm complete in Him. And when I'm complete in Jesus, it's not based about what others think or others do. It's based on Jesus entirely. Now look what he says next. Who is the head of all principality and power? When we talk about principality and power, we're talking about the demonic influence. Jesus says, I'm the head over all them. I've already defeated every one of them. If you look at Colossians 2.15, he says, I've disarmed all of them. I've taken over all of them. They have no authority over you anymore. And so because of the blood of Jesus, this becomes my identity. See, freedom is not letting your past affect your today. Freedom is understanding who I am in Jesus. What He's done. See, many of you need to put a new tattoo on your heart. I'm complete in Him. I'm complete in Him. I thank you today, Lord Jesus. I don't have to live by shame. I'm complete in you. And see, every one of us, when shame tries to rise in our life, this is what i got to begin to say. Quit going by your feelings. Quit hiding. Quit trying to cover up. Stand before the Almighty and say, Okay, this is what's going on in my life. I need your help today, Lord Jesus. I'm complete in you. And some of the characteristics, and this may identify some of you today, and it's not to put condemnation on your judgment, but some of the characteristics that come to a person that fights shame is depression. If you fight depression in your life, there's probably a good percentage that you deal with shame and you not, might not even be aware of it. You heard me say, guys, when I went through things, when people rejected me, I had to fight depression. Because of what? That shame. The devil's continuing whispering, something's wrong with you. Something's wrong with you. And some of you that get in depression, even in your state of marriage, it's that whisper, something's wrong with me. I'm going to tell you today, there ain't nothing wrong with you. God created you. He wonderfully and fearfully. You're complete in Him. The second thing is when you begin to isolate yourself. Number one, from God. When you start turning away from Father God and you start pulling God back, a lot of times that's a representative. There's shame in your life. You're ashamed. You can't go before God. See, that's a lie from the devil. But also, when you alienate yourself from other believers. How many of you have ever done that? Man, I used to do that, guys. I'd, I'd get so beat up in life when I'd go out on Saturday night and do a bunch of sin and I'd think, man, I, I can't go around the saints. I wore a cologne called Jack Daniels and I thought, I don't want to be around saints. I don't want them to know. You know the thing about it? Who cares? 
This is what's going on in my life. I've got to come around other believers. That's why the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling together. Don't let the devil lie to you. Another area that I'm going to tell you, it jumps out. Many times people that are dominated by shame, they come across as perfectionists. They want the approval of other people. They're addicted to approval from other people. That's the only way you can feel good about yourself. Now, I'm not slapping you. I'm just telling you, these are some of the characteristics. Another one, when you're dominated by fear. Sometimes when people try to fix everybody else, it's because it's shame-based. They've hid behind that, and they've hid behind that. And I believe today that we've been talking about freedom for months now, that God came to say, if you've got shame in your life, realize this is a good day today, that God's here to set you free. Stand up with me this morning. And see, I can say this this morning. Your definition of shame could be totally different from everybody else's in here. What's happened in our lives that has tried to shame us. I've been around people, especially women in our society now, that lives were shamed by things that happened to them that were outside their control. I'm going to tell you, ladies, today, and even men, if you've had stuff happen to you that was outside your control, that's a lie from the devil. And quit allowing him to, to, to whisper in your ear, something's wrong with you. Ain't nothing wrong with you, okay? I realize what happened to you wasn't a good experience. You know, they say that, that one out of every three women in our society right now have been abused in one way. And so what happens? Many women walk around shame. I see that with men now too. Many people walked around shame because, well, pastor, I've been divorced. That doesn't eliminate you from life. God loves you. He's qualified you. Well, I, I've messed up as a mother. That doesn't disqualify for you. Quit allowing the devil to tell you something's wrong with you, okay? Ooh, you begin to tell the day in the name of Jesus. Tell him to shut up. You know, one of the greatest things you can do when the devil starts bringing up my past, you know what I tell him? Now, if you want to bring someone's past up, I'm going to bring yours up. And you choke bigger than anybody in the history. When you thought you could kill the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now remember, He bruised your head. He destroyed your works. I better watch it. Some of you would question my salvation if I did some things today. I'm telling you, the devil irritates me. He irritates me. He lies. And so bow your head with me here this morning.